Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons podcast. Like a rib, it tastes like liberty. Like a rib with a bun of sesame. That's right, it's the Simpsons podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom, The Simpsons. But we don't start from episode one, season one. No, we start from seasons 11 and go from there. But we don't actually watch them in order either. We watch them at random. And sometimes when it's a new season, we actually watch the newest episodes. I am a random host. Well, really, co-host. It's been here for uh, all 17 years of this podcast. I'm Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig, and with me as my other Annoyed Grunt Boy. It's Steve, and I think uh, 16 years of those 17 will be made recording this episode. We should just uh, get into it, Steve. How, how are we going? We are going and doing well. I just feel like uh, almost getting into the episode. I mean, what, what are yeah. we going to do? I mean, yeah, we got nothing to say. We should just, uh, there's a lot to talk about on this episode. So yeah, let's just get to it. All right. But uh, Steve, I feel like we need to maybe indulge in some uh, tasty beverages before we do and watch. Yeah. I think you're right. And so that means it's time for our favorite segment, The Simpsons Beer Corner. All right, Steve, what are you going to be drinking while we watch this episode of The Simpsons? Well, Craig, uh, today's episode revolves around a spelling bee and bees, as I'm understanding, aside from having sex with birds, they make honey. And so I have Honeycone, a uh, hazy farmhouse IPA from uh, Wolves and People out of Newburgh, Oregon. And the can is fairly kid friendly with a smiling bumblebee on the can. And it's a unfiltered farmhouse IPA brewed with a kiss of local 100% pure raw honey and fermented with a mixed culture of American and Belgian yeasts. Smooth, creamy, fruity, substantial, without being heavy. Honeycomb is a balanced and juicy 7% IPA. So it's uh, very golden in color. Oh, that's nice. It doesn't have like that skunky kind of weed taste that a lot of IPAs have. And the honey is very subtle, but it does show up kind of in the mid note. And then it finishes a little bit more bitter, but really, really nice drinking beer. It's like full bodied, but easy drinking. And at 7%, you could have a couple. I I, I like it. Uh, what do you got for us, Craig? Well, I didn't really connect the uh, episode with uh, my beer. I was thinking more of you, Steve. Aw. And how much you like beer. I do like beer. And how you're of a German descent. This is true. So I went with a beer from the world's oldest brewery. Whoa. Weinhustoffer. And your name's St- Steven, and it's kind of in there. Yeah, it's right in there, yeah. And I, uh, it's a half, and I think of you as a half. Yeah, I am El Jefe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the boss. It's a, a Weiss beer, the Bavarian style. Um, yeah, I was at the, the beer market, and, I, and I'm, you know, I love German beers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never had this this brand, because I'll have like a Pauliner, because you know, obviously we don't get much, because it is actually from uh, G- Germany. Yeah. It even says uh, since 1040. Wow. Yeah. And um, I decided to get a bunch of these and try them out. So uh, let's give it a go. And I know I'm going to like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. I don't make your bull run. <laughs> Have I done that joke before? Probably, but yeah. it's a great joke. And it's uh, so good. Yeah, I, I'm ready for Oktoberfest, and it's uh, the New Year's just started. I have to wait a couple months. <laughs> but uh, yep, it it you know it's just your typical half. Yeah, they do it well though. It's a classic beer. Five point four percent alcohol. Um, not very kid friendly. It looks like a beer label. Mm-hmm. It's it's for men, beer men. <laughs> 
beer man. I'm a beer man. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I'm ready for some schnitzel now. Oh yeah, that sounds good. You know what? And you probably have to cook a schnitzel on a hot plate. On a hot plate. <laughs> Speaking of uh, hot plates and uh, spelling bees, uh, let's go all the way back to when our episode first aired, February sixteenth, two thousand and three. Craig, what was the number one movie in the box office? I'll let you know, Steve. It is uh, probably one of the biggest Marvel movies of all time. <laughs> Batflick himself. Oh boy. Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Wow. Now, you know, this uh, didn't. Uh, so, John Favreau's in this movie, who would later direct. What's funny is he plays the hero's like sidekick, and then he goes on to do Iron Man playing the hero's sidekick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that would be funny because, you know, the whole Doctor Strange multiverse of madness is coming out. Mm-hmm. That, uh, what if John Favreau shows up and they're like, oh, look, it's Happy Hogan? They're like, no, <laughs> I'm Froggy Nelson. Because that's who he was in Daredevil. Right. His, his name Froggy, his lawyer, uh, Matt Murdock's friend, I think it was. I think so, yeah. Sidekicks yep, for- have stupid names, like Steve. Yeah, Steve. Ooh, Bernie, oh, I made you man. my sidekick. Ah, oh, damn, I thought it was LFA. <laughs> I'm more of a, I mean, I, Robin's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. I love Dick Grayson. <laughs> I mean, I was more of a Batgirl fan, but uh, we'll get into that later, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> Was Burt Ward one of your sexual awakenings? What are you talking about sexual awakenings for? I don't know. Uh, remind me later. All right. I will. No, but uh, yeah, I, I think I've seen the Daredevil. I and... remember seeing it, I think, at your apartment for some reason. Wow. Really? I just don't remember it. I barely remember it. I just remember thinking that uh, Colin Farrell's uh, rendition of uh, Bullseye was goofy. Oh, oh. oh man. <laughs> let's not bring that up yet. I mean, let's not bring that up. And I thought it was bold at the time to have Michael Clark Duncan be a kingpin. Yeah, he was a good kingpin, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Although D'Onofrio is killing it right now, so Mm -hmm. we're good. So Ben Affleck's having the time of his life being the number one movie. I wonder what uh, his significant other was doing. Well, she's co-starring with him in Daredevil. Oh. (laughs) As Elektra. Wait, are you sure they maybe just met? Maybe they just met there because maybe his girlfriend at the time was uh, on the Billboard Hot 100 because it was All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ladies Love Cool James, also known as LL Cool J. So in the time frame, I think that Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were probably dating, right? Yeah, I think so. And then you say that Jennifer Garner, they probably met on Daredevil, and then maybe the split happened. Yeah. When did a Kevin Smith's Jersey Girl come out? I was just looking that up. Because that was like right in the time. That was 2004. So after so this. Yeah, they're, yeah, so they're dating now. Yeah. Isn't it funny that this is how, how what, this is almost 20 years old, this episode. Mm-hmm. And 20 years later, we're still talking about Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck dating. It's true. It's wild. <laughs> really weird. Mm-hmm. It feels like the last 20 years didn't really evolve. Yeah. Like, are we any better off than we are, say, from like 2007? Or like, like I feel like the eras of like American culture, like, are very defined. Like, you think of the 50s, you can think of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But when you think of like 2000s, it still is going on. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like maybe 2000 to 2006 or the 2000s, but then. Yeah. But after that, it's all just kind of. 
Yeah, it just feels like a blur of the same thing. Yeah, this uh, COVID didn't help because I think we all feel like it's still the same year. Yeah, I I forget that last year was not 2020. Right, like that's why I think there should be a big reset. Like when we're finally like, all like, happy about this, like the world is all like, are we good? We're good? Okay, it's actually January 2020 now. Mm-hmm. We're just going to restart. Right, like, like we'll all idea. de-age. It'll be like the the snap in the Avengers movies. Yeah. No spoilers. You still I know. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pop culture references. Yeah. And uh, I saw one of the Spider-Mans where they talk about the snap. All right. Yeah. It sure wasn't like Tobey Maguire, like snapping his fingers in the third movie. Doing the jazz was. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a different snap, Steve. No. All right. Well, Steve, let's uh let's watch this episode. But what are we watching again? All righty. So we're uh, talking about I'm spelling as fast as we can in which uh, Lisa wins a place at the Spell Olympics National Spelling Bee, but discovers that it's not as clean cut competition as she thought. While Homer tours the country on the trail of a limited edition crusty rib burger sandwich. All right, Steve, let's like finish our beers up and then watch this episode and talk about it for a couple minutes. We'll make it quick. We'll make it snappy. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about I'm Spelling As Fast As I Can, the 12th episode of the 14th season. It originally aired on February 16th, 2003. It is episode 303 in the show's run. Your nerd code is EABF07. It was written by Kevin Coran, directed by Nancy Cruz, and your showrunner is Al Jean. All right, Kevin Coran. Steve, I actually looked at our uh, spreadsheet of uh-huh. the episodes that he wrote and we've done. I'll let you cool. know that uh, Don't Fear the Roofer, we've done that episode, which funny enough, yeah, one with Ray Romano and then make a Ray Romano joke in this episode. It is funny. Kevin Coran just loves Ray Romano. Yay, I love him. love him. Yeah. You know, because he also worked on Letterman, Kevin Coran. Mm-hmm. And, and Letterman was the one who produced uh, the I Lo- Everyone Loves Raymond show. Yeah, a worldwide pants production. Yeah, it's all coming up pants. And pants come up and then they go down. Exactly. And then everyone's happy. <laughs> That's how pants work. <laughs> we also did We're on the Road to Doughware. Yeah. Did we do the greatest so. story ever, Dode? Yeah, with Sasha Baron Cohen and that one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the second episode he penned. I guess full episode because the first one he just did was a Treehouse of Horror segment, uh, Doctor Island of Dr. Hibbert segment. Oh, yeah, with the uh, sexy Marge cat. Yeah. Oh, Rednecks and Broomsticks. Forgot about that one. We also did that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last episode he wrote was Homer is Where the Art Isn't. It's from the 29th season. Oh, uh, wow. we, haven't, we haven't got to that one yet. You know, eventually, of course, graduated from car. car- <laughs> he graduated from college. Good job. <laughs> Good job. A place called Harvard. Heard of it. Yeah. Do you think one of the, who is it? Who, who's the, the seven sisters college girls that go Oh yeah. meet a Harvard man? No, we'll get to that joke later on. Yeah. I, I don't know yet because I haven't watched the episode, right? Yeah, neither have I. And we, we bring this up every time. He was the voice of Buck. Exactly. On from, Married uh, with Children. Married with Children. Of which he wrote several episodes as well. Right. Uh, Cheech Marin also was the voice of Buck sometimes too. Mm-hmm. He has passed since uh, 2016 from the C word. He died of cancer. Oh, that's much worse. You're not allowed to say that word, Steve. Oh, no. You're not British. Well, if I say it in an accent. (laughs) How about you just don't say anything? Okay. I mean, you can talk about The Simpsons, but that's about it. Okay. Uh, So some trivia for you. 
uh, this episode, I'm dancing or I'm spelling as fast as I can, is a reference to the 1981 book, I'm Dancing as Fast as I Can by Barbara Gordon. The book describes Gordon's addiction to prescription medication and her rehabilitation, as well as her early career as Batgirl. The episode depicts Lisa's addiction to fame and longing for acceptance. All right, Steve, you made a joke in there. <laughs> you said yes. it's by Barbara Gordon and her career as Batgirl. And we all know Batgirl is Barbara Gordon. So I exactly. saw that and I was like, I, you know, I'm not familiar with the book. And so I looked it up because I thought you were making a joke that it was written by Yvonne Craig, who played Batgirl, <laughs> Barbara Gordon in the Batman show, because the title's I'm Dancing as Fast as I Can. Yvonne Craig was also a ballerina. So I thought oh, wow. that <laughs> you just got rid of Yvonne Craig's name and put Barbara Gordon. But That's yeah, funny. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Yvonne Craig even wrote a book, but uh, she's also dead. <laughs> So many people are dead. I think she died a few years ago. Yeah, I think so. Yvonne Craig was, uh, well, I mean, I used to watch the Batman 66 show, you know, reruns mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, I'll say Yvonne Craig was uh, the sexual awakening of a lot of young boys. I can see why. I'm looking Maybe at girls too. <laughs> photos of her. Yeah, she died in 2015. Yeah. Kevin Cran uh, outlived her by a year. That's right. Maybe Yvonne Craig was his sexual awakening. <laughs> Maybe Yvonne Craig was George Plimpton's. The possibilities are endless. Maybe George, maybe George likely. Plimpton was Kevin Coran's sexual awakening. We don't know. Hey, fans, who was your sexual awakening? Let us know at one three of Simpsons at uh, Twitter. Phoebe Cates. Yeah, we want we want to know who yours who's yours was. Phoebe Cates. Let us know. Yeah, Leah Thompson and Howard the Duck. <laughs> Wait, both. Yeah, those are two of them. You, you say in or and? Oh, <laughs> in. Okay, they said Leah Thompson and Howard the Duck. <laughs> No, I mean, he sort of, he ruffled my feathers, but not quite so much. You know, what's so funny is I'm just thinking about it. I said Yvonne Craig, mm -hmm. but also Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura. So apparently I only watched 60s TV shows <laughs> <laughs> the women on those shows that gave me. All right. Huh, interesting. Nichelle Nichols is still alive. So, you know, there's a chance still. Yeah, you can, you can make that deal happen. It's just sad because she's like, she also has one of those like horrible people that uh, like a conservatorship or something like that. Oh, yeah. Kind of like the way how Stanley's like kind of was mishandled in his last right. few yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. Let's, so, just, let's just get on with the uh, actual episode. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So the subtitles underneath the title card say that it's the 301st episode, but I just said it's the 303rd. Pray Why would you lie? I didn't mean to. The, the, the Fox made me lie. Pray Anything was the third 301st to air. And this one was supposed to be the supposed to air on the same night but they ran barting over so they just got them out of order but they didn't change the card in time so so it's rupert murdoch's fault yeah it's the one bad thing he's done <laughs> the simpsons always lied to us about the episodes there's been a few yeah and i think that we may have even talked about that one too right well steve it does start off with um a couch gag yeah we're gonna assume it's homer because we hear a woohoo at the end mm -hmm. i mean i don't think homer is that great of doing sketch a etch we don't know so, i mean he, we know he's inept enough to play the piano mm -hmm. but anyways he he's etch sketches or sketch etches as i says uh the the simpsons family uh but uh we've uh this is the second time and the last time we've seen so far you never know they might bring it back mm -hmm. it was first used in a uh, large marge from earlier in season 14 episode four which we reviewed all the way back in 2019 yeah that was like our 35th episode so wow. it's probably real bad 
Yeah. Well, uh, let's play a clip of it real quick. Hey, Steve, have you heard about this uh, COVID thing from China? It's going to be a joke. It's not going to last. Yeah, let's talk about Marge and her big boobs in this episode. Sounds like fun. Man, Joe Rogan's not problematic at all. He's my favorite comic. Yeah, so funny. All right. Bye. That was was a clip. Yeah, man, we've really grown. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about Marge's boobs in this episode. Or maybe not Marge's. Yeah, maybe there's other boobs to talk about. Because our episode begins, as it often does, with a barefoot Bart on the couch watching TV. He's tuned into the matinee of Blood and Commercials, hosted by the buxom Boobarella. She introduces a frightening 1983 film, Frankenstein and the Harlem Globetrotters meet the mummy and the Washington generals. Bart thinks to himself that he can't just sit there watching this junk, so he makes himself comfortable by lying on the ground, or lying on the couch, rather. Uh, And let's check out that movie with him. If you watch closely, you might recognize a young Ray Romano. All right, Frankenstein, that's a three-second violation. No blame, Frankenstein. Me made from corpses of Denver Nuggets. Now for the first of our 82 commercial breaks. Then you can see more of my boobs. (laughs) It's nice to see a realistic single woman on TV. Hello, Springfield. Come to my back-to-school parking lot blowout. School's starting, Bart. Aren't you excited? This year you'll learn about local history. We've got first-rate school supplies at third-world prices at the Quickie Mart, where we believe in America. Please, don't beat me up anymore. This is how I read the joke of the Ray Romano, Mm -hmm. was that the Frankenstein was Ray Romano. Like, I assume the Frankenstein monster was played by young Ray Romano, but then the joke that he was actually just the ref. Interesting. Because haven't we always like, or maybe it's like I'm thinking like Brad Garrett, who always kind of looked like the monster of Frankenstein. Is that maybe what I'm thinking of? Because they kind of like, um, you know, like have yeah. that mannerism of the Frankenstein monster. He is the son of Frankenstein monster. Right, right. Because he was in, uh, the, what's his name? Yeah, Peter. Peter. Well, no, not Peter Welch. Peter. Pan? <laughs> there it is. Peter Pan. <laughs> Peter McNichols. No, Peter Bogdanovich. No, Peter Peter O'Toole, Peter Peter Vankman, (laughs) Peter, Peter Pumpkin Eater, Peter Pie, Peter Boyle, Peter Boyle. There we go. That ends another segment of Naaman Peters. (laughs) It's my favorite segment now. (laughs) I know. It's really good. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) We did it. We we beat it. Yeah, we won the game. I don't know. Maybe I'm just because like, so I, I think my impersonation of Ray Romano is very Frankenstein monster like. So maybe it's just in joke for myself. It could be. <laughs> but I do like the idea of. And he's tall. And maybe. Yeah. But his brother's taller. <laughs> my brother's tall. And their dad uh, was a monster Frankenstein. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah. I did like the dig at the Cleveland or the Denver Nuggets, though. What? Now, Stephen, I'm a really big uh, hoops guy. Right. Why? Oh, is it gold nuggets? Yeah, because they're the golden nuggets, right? Exactly. Yeah. I just think of the golden. Nug- yeah, Denver. Denver. Isn't that a movie? There's golden Denver. I think so. Things to do in golden Denver while your dad 
Something exactly. Like yeah. Um, but when I used to just think of the Denver Nuggets, I just assume chicken, nuggets, chicken nuggets. Right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then he says, like, we're put together by the Denver Nuggets. So I'm just assuming in my stupid kid head that this is put together by chicken nuggets. What a horrifyingly tasty monster that would be. Weren't one of the McNugget toys as a kid in like the 80s, like a Frankenstein nugget? Yes, it was. I, I distinctly remember that. There was a mummy nugget, yeah. a maybe a bride of Frankenstein nugget and a Frankenstein monster nugget. We talked about a, maybe like a few podcasts ago, I had to bring McDonald's back to being cool. Mm-hmm. With the clowns and the, yeah. The rich tapestry of their environment bring back the ashtrays and the Mm -hmm. the one dirty uh n64 right every kid should have their birthday party there Mm -hmm. slim the menu down to just the basics although i think they kind of have yeah there's a you can't even get a salad anymore right i don't think so i mean who goes they figured out no one goes to get a salad at a fast food place yeah no we want crap yeah i did see an ad recently for from the 90s about their salads and it's two african-american women talking to each other like one's on the one on the top of the photo one's on the bottom and they're both on the phone they're like damn girl how did this how does mcdonald's make their salad so good and they're like they know what it takes to make uh, salads right that's a weird conversation to have well they have lettuce and carrots and, and a tomatoes. lot of ham yeah yeah and like there's strips cool. of like ham on there that are like huge it's barely a salad it's it's a sandwich without bread yeah but very keto friendly they didn't know it then that's true they were ahead of the curve yeah it's weird that bart was just barefoot was there a reason to that i think there might be so there was supposed to be a very long scene at the beginning of the episode where bart is doing like a checklist of all the things that he wanted to complete over summer vacation that they ended up cutting out and then they reused it in season 17 with the monkey suit episode but maybe part of it was not wearing shoes but it did look weird him not wearing yeah being barefoot on the couch you know i know it's like in our Western culture, I don't know if it's America, but I don't know if it's over in like Europe, but like wearing shoes in the house. I know in like Eastern mm-hmm. culture, like not wearing shoes in the house. I mean, it makes sense, but yet I still wear shoes in the house. Laura is maybe it's because she's from Hawaii and there's more of an Eastern influence, but she's very adamant about not wearing shoes in the house. Are you allowed to? I can, but she's weirded out by it. So it's weird. Like when I would come over and still have my shoes on, should I be, should I be taking them off? No, you're fine. I think that it's more like in the bedroom, like not in the bedroom, but you know, like if we're just doing stuff <laughs> in the worse. bedroom, the shoes stay on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you don't want your feet to be cold, cold. You I know? know. But if you step on uh it's dark and you don't know that uh, one of your cats threw up a hairball and you step in it barefoot, that's gross. That'd be gross. Yeah. I mean, when I do come to your house, I purposely like find a dog and step in dog shit to walk through the house. <laughs> So there's that yeah at least you stopped stepping on the dog itself yeah it's a nice more toothpaste. poo yeah squeeze it out <laughs> like a toothpaste too yeah <laughs> i would never do that to animals no i have to put a disclaimer there yeah of course we're not no monsters one. yeah no one dog court to, to sue me <laughs> i'm just envisioning a court just full of dogs <laughs> and it's just going to be on like a pluto tv channel <laughs> you just watch in the background it's just dogs being cute dressed mm-hmm. as lawyers and judges and jurors i would watch that <laughs> a little dog that's in a little like striped prison <laughs> outfit <laughs> it's a little yeah. dog bailiffs <laughs> a little dog stenographer dog sketch artist they have like uh like triumph's paw trying to hold the uh the gavel no, no it's it's real dogs they're no i know but okay. like yeah okay just the arm trying to hold oh, the gavel yeah. you know so i can bring the order in the court but there's no like di- just arf arf yeah <laughs> i would dog watch court. this 
all right uh who do we know they can produce the show this is the greatest show ever yeah um well we're on disney plus with the simpsons so maybe we can talk to pluto and he can get it on pluto ah, tv get it yeah yeah although you could make it real dog court there pro- i bet there is a you know now i'm thinking about it, i bet there is like a pet court show yeah. on like animal planet and i i think there is one and is it that like would- the original, like, like it came out years ago, wasn't like the original, like bailiff that was on a uh, people's court, like on it or something. I don't know. I'm I making, I, I, I don't know if I'm just making this up, but like animal court, but like still make it cute. Right. I don't want it to be like, to be like a horrible thing. Like, yeah. oh, you bit my, t- my child's arm off. Right. Right. I don't want that. I want it to be just mostly cases of like, I think he peed on my roses, that sort of thing. So there was uh, a show called Gary Busey Pet Judge. I'm okay, this is a comedy better and also judge wapner's animal court so it was actually just actually judge wapner the original yeah it was okay. a spinoff of people's court on animal planet oh all right well i guess i'm not that creative yeah, but you you had good ideas it's just a parallel thinking all right well i just want it to be like the puppy bowl where it's just dogs going around there's no like yeah. real human interaction right just kind of going all through the courtroom hey who do you think is going to win the puppy bowl this year it's this sunday right yeah i gotta go with the golden uh retrievers i think they're the golden receivers <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> Nothing in the book about it. No rules against it. Hey, see, let's get back to The Simpsons. Uh, did you know this is the very first appearance of uh, Booberella? It's very interesting. Like, I I would have thought it was earlier, honestly. I, and I kind of remember being very turned off by just the blatant, like, look at my, like, boobs. look at my boobs. Yeah, like, when yeah. it first originally aired, because it was just like, okay, do we need an Elvira parody? Like, Elvira wasn't. Like, I feel like she stopped being, like, largely relevant in the early 90s. I think she was just kind of before our time. And now, I mean, no offense. I mean, she's, you know, still a cool lady. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I like how she like recently came out too and had been like with a partner for like all these years. Yeah, that's, that was, that was really a really cool surprise. And she lost like a lot of male followers, like on Twitter or whatever. So I was thinking, like, do you think you had a chance (laughs) with Elvira? Now she won't have sex with you. And also, she's not actually Cassandra? the mistress of the dark. Like, she does age. Yeah, because Cassandra Peters, is that her name? Peterson, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think I have watched that Elvira movie, and it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. I think I remember her doing something with Pee Wee Herman, and uh, that was fun, too. It sure was. We went to a movie theater. <laughs> a movie. <laughs> the worst. I was caught, but she wasn't. <laughs> remember, that was like the most controversial thing. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it canceled Pee Wee Herman for like 10 years. Yeah. Just because he went to a porn theater and jerked off. What are you going to do in a porn theater? Take notes? <laughs> Appreciate the cinematography? And then like, remember like like a few years ago when Fred Willard was still alive, they mm-hmm. caught him, but like he was 70. He doesn't know what the fuck the internet is. No, he's just, you know, looking to get this old man crank off. Yeah. Steve, let's go to the porn theater later. All righty. It's the plan. <laughs> we'll hold hands and watch together. <laughs> Make sure you sit on my left side. See, what's this hole right there for? Oh, nothing. Just enjoy your popcorn. Why is there duct tape around it? <laughs> See, why are you putting a blindfold on me? So you can watch the movie better. Can you order me a corn dog? <laughs> oh, it's already in there. Don't worry. All right. Oh, is this the corn dog dispenser? All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Steve, hand me the mustard. You'll be fine. But I, I brought some Chinese mustard here. Oh, here it comes. Oh, 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 oh. Why is there screaming? <laughs> Oh, and scene. All righty. <laughs> that's the uh, scene of a glory hole with a uh, Chinese mustard on the penis. Yes, that I'm old gonna... classic. I told you I auditioned for SNL with that bit. No wonder I didn't get on. 
if you had been there in like 1986, it would have been surefire. Is that when Lauren wasn't a producer? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever year that was. Yeah. No, I wasn't a, a teen uh, in the, the rat in the rat pack. Then. Well, not the rat pack, the brat pack then. Yeah. No, Rob Lowe or you. <laughs> All right. So, hey, let's get back to the Simpsons. So yep. they're, they're doing the ads. Well, Steve, or, well, Steve Bart. Bart's watching the TV. I think you guys confused. I get it. So, yeah, that quickie Mart ends there. And then Boobara tells the audience that Ray Romano sued to prevent the showing of the movie. And then she grabs a list of papers there for a temporary injunction. And then she just says, uh, let's cut to another ad for a Krusty Burger. That's right. Uh, so the ad begins in a steel mill. And the, you know, we figured out, presumably gay workers, uh, throw a cow in the flames while the Rob Seeger-esque voice sings like a rib, recalling the Chevy ads from the 90s with uh, like a rock. Two of the workers pour molten liquid into a mold. As we learn the, that the oozing orange liquid is actually uh, being formed uh, to form the rib witch, a, vo- a voiceover explains the process. We start with authentic letter-graded meat and process the hell out of it till it's good enough for crusty. Try my new crusty rib witch. Mm. I don't mind the taste. Ooh, a new hamburger sandwich. Well, I can't wait to pack that into my colon. Dude, take it easy on the fatty foods. You're running out of leg veins to transplant into your heart. I got arm veins, don't I? Yes, sir. Couple things. I like how the voiceover just says a letter graded meat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marge is just calling, I it love a ha- that. calling it a hamburger sandwich. Like Very it. adorable. I thought it was weird that um, when Homer explains the arm veins in his or the veins in his arms. Bart seems scared, <laughs> like Homer was about to hit him, but he wasn't at all. It seemed weird. Also, that Bart's concerned that his dad might die from this food. Mm-hmm. It's very unbart like. It's true. Bart wants his dad dead. Exactly. <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about the McRib before. Yeah, I think so. We probably don't need to rekindle that, but yeah, no, we can renook it, not rekindle it. There you go. I read Libby app it because it's free. Do the nooks still exist? The Barnes and Noble nook? Probably. Do the Barnes and Nobles still exist? That was my next question. <laughs> it's just nobles now. Yeah, Barnes got out. Went back to the farm. <laughs> yeah. Barnes, you see? Exactly where all the Barnes are. <laughs> yeah. A very quick story with the rib witch. Mm-hmm. This was a, a Steve birthday. This is probably like maybe 10, 15 years ago now. Yeah. There was a strip of by my house of where, uh, you know, like your tip, there was like McDonald's, a Taco Bell and a Burger King, just and all in a 7-Eleven and a 7-Eleven all on the road together. And this was during McRib time. So we got uh, a McRib and then like mm-hmm. a McChicken and then we got like onion rings and a Whopper at Burger King. And then we got, oh. I don't know what we got 7-Eleven, but then at Taco Bell, we got crunch wraps. I think we got Doritos. We got like at 7-Eleven to put in to it as well. Did we get a Slurpee too and filled it with vodka when we got back to the place? Seems like something we would do. Anyway, so we took like the Crunchwrap Supremes. They were the buns, two of them each. So we ordered four Crunchwraps. Oh, God, yeah. Or did we, sh- no, did we share or did we? No, we didn't. Oh, Jesus Christ. No wonder I yeah. that dies soon. With <laughs> exactly. Attack. So yeah, it was Crunchwrap. As the then, buns. Right. And then the McRib patty. But yeah, right. We got rid of, we were at least healthy enough to get rid of like the bread bun, right? Right. Yeah. And then so we had to put like the McRib and then we put like the McChicken chicken and then like the Whopper or no, I don't, I don't, we only just got like onion. I don't know what we got Burger King. Yeah. I don't remember. I but know like, we got onion rings, but beef patty, onion rings, probably French fries and just made, did we get filet of fish too? I don't know. No, I don't think we did that. Yeah, no, that'd be too healthy. <laughs> yeah. 
not the damn pesky fish in there. <laughs> but yeah, um, it probably tasted great. But uh, I vaguely remember it being delicious. But I remember. Did we call it like the McFuck or something? Yeah, because there was also the McGangbang, which is right. the thing where you buy a chicken sandwich and a cheeseburger and you combine them. And now, yeah, one of the hack menus for McDonald's was called the Land, Sea, and Air Burger, which you could do. But now they actually are promoting it, which is yeah, they have a whole line of uh, of ha- quote unquote hack menu items, right. which is beef patty with a chicken burger and then a fillet of fish. That's the Land, Sea, and Air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and I think SNL did a funny joke a couple weeks ago about <laughs> Land, Sea, and Air. They're saying like, oh yeah, so the chicken is the air. What kind of chickens are you guys using? Because <laughs> chickens don't fly. <laughs> Do you think it's a pigeon? Yeah, probably a pigeon. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of our horrible eating habits. Yeah, we're better now. I could go for a a crunch wrap sandwich. Maybe not have the McRib, but I like the idea of putting hamburger meat in. (laughs) And the crunch wrap is the bread. That does sound pretty good, actually. Let's go to Springfield Elementary because it's the new year, Steve. Mm-hmm. So that means finally Bart and Lisa starting their new school year. They're going to be Bart's going to be in the fourth grade. Lisa's going to be in the third, right? That's right. Or is that how that works? Yeah, but probably third, not. Third and fifth. Yeah. Third and fifth. Yeah. I always get those confused. No, the reason why I think I get it confused is because of the South Park kids. Oh, right, I think right. They were originally in third grade. And then they like, like in season five, they made a big thing about like going to fourth grade. Are they currently still in fourth grade? They're still in fourth grade. Okay. Anyway, so enough about those kids. Let's talk about these other kids. So Skinner comes walking in and he's singing a parody. I think he wrote this parody song of uh, Alice Cooper's School's Out, but called School's Back. Mm-hmm. So he's unlocking all the rooms there. And uh, in the shadows, we look and see it's, uh, it's Willie sharpening his knife. And he's vowing that this year Skinner will get it in the back. So I'm flying, you know, he's going to murder Skinner. And then <laughs> Skinner notices him and asks Willie if uh, he received the letter about his pay cut, to which Willie responds that uh, there will be many cuts this year, or as you would put it, a mini cut this year. And then Skinner agrees that there will be several cuts budget wise. Oh, yes. So then um, the we go to an assembly to start the year. But before the assembly begins, we catch up with all the kids and see what they did over summer break. Nelson, how was your summer? Sucked. What'd you do? Space camp. Buddies, Cadet Nelson, good to be back on terra firma, eh? <gasps> how about I launch my foot into your butt? I held your hair when you barfed in the simulator. Shut up, Commander. Welcome back, children. We've all had fascinating summers. I was the maitre d' at the Springfield Country Club. My dad says you were a bus boy. You mean your dad, the raging alcoholic? Uh, we better get down to business, as this is a non-leap year. We're already a day behind. Come on, man. Everyone knows the first day of school is a total wank. Well, if by wank you mean educational fun, then stand back. It's wanking time. <laughs> Let's get to your rolling with an all-school spelling bee. Woo-hoo! <sighs> I guess I won't be popular this year, either. Bart, your word is imply. Imply. I M P. Bart said I M P. He's made a P. <laughs> well, I got my laugh. I'm out of here. I made Bart in my pants. There's so much to unpack in that clip. This is the best part of the episode. Turn yeah, it off now, right? It's so, it's so good. Um, so first of all, uh, we got to talk about uh, Nelson and Martin. 
Okay, if you hear this is the first time listening to this podcast, uh, we have the theory that in the future, Martin and Elsa will become an item. They'll get married and have many kids. Case yeah. closed. Now that this episode came out in season 14, how did we miss this and not even remember this in our, our everlong conquest of Martin and Nelson at space camp together, which love it. One question. How did Nelson afford space That's camp? what I was wondering, too. What if Martin's family secretly paid for it? Because they're just so eager for Martin to have a friend that, you know, they're like, oh, well, because I, I assume that they're well off. I'm going to pitch it real quick. OK, there was a cut scene where, you know, summer starting and Martin's dad is at the strip club where Nelson's mom is giving him a lap dance. And they're mm-hmm. talking about their kids and the summer, how they don't want them to spend time with their kids. Uh-huh. And so Martin's dad's all like, yeah, I'm going to send my kid Martin to space camp. And and then uh, Nelson's mom, who's stripping, you know, doing a lap dance for mm-hmm. Martin's dad, says, like, I'd love to do that, too, but I just can't afford it. And then he's like, you know, for an extra couple of dollars, I could send your son to space camp. Mm. Wink, wink. <laughs> and so Martin's dad gives Nelson's mom more money. But of course, she, you know, does sexual favors for him. Right. And uh, yeah, there we go. I solved and, it. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know what? I think I, I'm going to pitch to uh, Disney Plus to Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Mickey, are you here? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I have an idea. This would be a great um, deleted scenes from The Simpsons, even, oh, though they never, even though they never were, but there'll be new animated shorts that will fill in the gaps. So that sounds heard, like a great idea. You heard the pitch, right? Yeah. So on Disney Plus, would you put the the stripper scene and then Nelson's mom performing the sexual favors on Nelson's or Martin's dad? Is it a blowjob or anal? It, it, well, a blowjob blow to, to space camp is all you need. <laughs> I, I think an anal is more like going into space. Right. How do you oh, think Shatner right. got on the Jeff Bezos? Uh... <laughs> Did he boldly go where no man went before? He went with her a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> with his fingers like that he could spread it out um but yeah mickey approves so uh, uh mickey we're good oh yes all right get the fuck out of here bye um yeah but yeah i guess uh tara isn't the only thing that's firma but yeah i thought their relationship was cute um and then we move on to uh skinner and his uh <sighs> so good stand back everybody it's wanking time the wanky part is funny mm-hmm. and the kids laugh. But I think the best part is when Jimbo calls Skinner yeah. out of him being a waiter at the country club. Yeah. <laughs> just Skinner like <laughs> calling his dad an alcoholic. And then the yeah, kids just, gasp. Are just stunned. It's <laughs> like Skinner pauses for a minute and is like, meh, they don't really care. Just yeah, say. whatever. Has it been established that Jimbo's from an affluent family or maybe I, I like that ongoing thing that Jimbo is a rich kid, but who acts out as a bully. Right. He wants to be like a tough kid. Yeah. It's so good. I love the bullies, even like the more and more like just seem like these little snippets of their. Yeah. I like to life. like. Yeah. The more we learn about them, the more I like them. Hey, Mickey, get back in here. Woo-hoo! Uh New pitch. Uh, bullies. The Simpsons Spring Springfield Bullies. Kimbo, new, Dolph, and Kearney? Yeah, a new new animated show on Disney Plus. Hmm. You know, it'll highlight uh, uh, how bullying is a good thing. I like that. And how we need more bullies. Yeah, I bullied my way to get all these networks. That's how I got the Avengers. Exactly. So, bullies good? Bullies great. All right, thanks. Uh, you can go now, Mickey. Bye. Fuck off. Bye. Hey, Mickey, re- real quick. Yeah. Are you really going to let Minnie go out in that pantsuit now? Mm, she's a modern woman. Yeah. And I'm but... a modern mouse. Come on, you liked it when she was wearing those giant poofy white pantaloons and the skirt. We're pretty hot. You know, Tucker Carlson's really pissed about this. He's a pile of shit. Whoa, whoa. I thought you and Tucker were friends. It seems like we would be, right? 
I mean, Tucker, he can't jerk off to the green M&M anymore or Minnie Mouse. What's he going to do? I don't know. Going to hold it all in his balls until he explodes. <laughs> all right. Uh, bye, Mickey. Bye. Uh, it's I. It's fun having our boss in for. You know, I know, yeah. For the podcast, it's nice of him to sit in with us. Yeah, doing great, Mick. Thanks. You're so fun. You're so fun. You blow my mind. All right. Hey, Mick. Um. Also, let's get uh, that bit there. Yeah. Bit. The clip. <laughs> clip. Um. And then also Bart being like IMP. <laughs> and then Nelson. Yeah. Calling him out, and Bart's just being like, "All right, I'm yeah, good. I'm good. I got my laugh for the year." <laughs> and we had, of course, had the uh, Ralph with the uh, "I made Bart in my pants." Yeah, so we're about four minutes in, and it's been like a lot of solid jokes here so far. Right, I was just say, and it's been an hour since we've been talking. This is true. All right. Well, do you do you remember uh, spelling bees being the first thing you do in school? No. Oh, yeah, first day of class. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I think we did like maybe three spelling bee spelling bees in all of elementary school. Sounds about right. Yeah, I don't remember them being that big of a deal. I think you kind of start maybe what third grade. Yeah, you're up probably third, fourth, and fifth yeah. grade. You do them. Yeah, I sucked at them. I because I'm I'm a horrible speller. So mm-hmm. I did I did well on the geography B. We had a geography oh, B, but but uh spelling, yeah. Yeah, I, I get, would I would I get choke. my vowels confused. Choke, you say. Uh well, because the spelling bee is down to its final two students, Millhouse and Lisa. Millhouse is up first, asked to spell the word that you just said, choke. And so with a great deal of confidence, he begins to spell the word with the letter F. He smacks his head in regret as the other children laugh at him. Principal Skinner tells the kids to stop laughing as it'll scar him for life. But as the kids' laughter continues, Seymour has to admit, it is pretty infectious. <laughs> I like that at this point Skinner doesn't care anymore. <laughs> It is kind of refreshing. It's almost like it's, it's the new year. Mm-hmm. He's dealt with 14 years of Bart being a brat and Lisa being a smarty pants. Mm-hmm. He's just fed up. He's like, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm just gonna be an ass. Does this the spelling bee just remind you of one of the greatest Will Forte sketches on SNL? The spelling bee. Oh, yes. Go on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, t- just type in spelling bee SNL and maybe Will Forte. It'll be the mm-hmm. first thing that pops up. But it's one of the funniest clips because one he doesn't break yeah Little forte was one of the best snl performers because i don't think he ever broke in a sketch no and i think that people sleep on him being so good because they he is such a power hitter like with the sketches the word is business could you repeat the word please <laughs> business Could I have the origin of the word, please? I mean, you guys still have to watch it. Comes it comes from the Latin yeah. phrase, "bisnia." Because it's also his facial expressions that sells Could the bit. I have the definition, please? <laughs> Business, one's work or employment. Could you use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> Business, I'm in the insurance business. Could you spell the word, please? <laughs> No. Could you repeat the word, please? The word is business. Business. B R D T F K L M G H R K W T F N Y L K P Q. W Q R T D F P L 
Chris Parnell's performance is also great. Oh, yeah. any vowels in that too when no. he spells uh, but the sketch ends like they could have just ended it there but it ends with because jack black was the host and then he mm-hmm. sings a little song with uh kyle guess not mooney we have to name the kyles now kyle mclaughlin yeah kyle <laughs> said mooney kyle chandler I chandler i think there's only three kyles in hollywood yeah selena kyle catwoman oh yeah that girl oh. yvonne craig Bard, Barbara Gordon. She's dancing with Seth Kim. Michelle Pfeiffer, Sexual Awakening. <laughs> oh, there we go. Full circle. Full house. Stephanie Tanner, Sexual Awakening. I mean, when you're a kid, Steve, not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I was the same age as she was. I wasn't like 25. I'm like, hey. I'm going to watch the show now. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, Scott Pacula, Sexual Awakening. Oh, boy. Quantum bleed. <laughs> Sam. Ow. <laughs> Remember Time Tracks? <laughs> it was like the rip-off Quantum Leap that mm-hmm. lasted like a season or two. Yeah. When are they going to reboot Time Tracks? Everybody's clamoring for some Time Tracks. Uh, okay. Hey, so uh, let's go back to The Simpsons. <laughs> we were talking about uh, choking. Oh, yeah. So back to the spelling bee, which we're going off that. Wow, this shows. this is going to be our longest episode, isn't it? I think so. All right, we'll change that. Um, Lisa has to spell, right? Right. Is that where we're at? Yeah, Lisa's word. Uh, Impune. Mm-hmm. Steve, can you... Spell for me real quick. I M P. <laughs> Steve is P. I already did that, jerk. Oh, well, Nelson uh, smacks Bart by doing the same joke. Yeah. But Lisa finishes a word. Uh, but, but it was also funny. Nelson calls Bart. Oh, P. yeah. Like, shut up. Shut up, P. Up, P. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lisa finishes it with a UGN. And uh, what network is that? UGN. It's the United Grocers Network. Show uh, closed captain footage of grocery stores. I'd watch that with Dog Law. I know. Dog Quarter, whatever it's called. <laughs> I like Dog Law. <laughs> yeah. See, we just need to make our own network now. So we have uh, uh, cameras of just... Now, is it is it security camera footage of grocery stores or just a person walking around like Google Street Cams, but walking through like a grocery store? I think I'd be like... stopping in the produce yeah. and looking at it. Yeah, just I, I think that would be more fun. Like maybe just like some soft piano music. Yeah. Can you fast forward to like, I don't want to watch, I don't want to go down the soup aisle. I want to watch the cereal aisle. Yeah. Cereal is the fun aisle to go down. Even if you don't eat cereal, it's just, no, it's just fun like, seeing all new? the new stuff, right? Yeah. Like, wow, I would never eat that. But then you're thinking, ah, I probably would. Yeah. So Lisa wins and she's the school champion. The crowd just cheers wildly. So Lisa takes the opportunity because she, you know, she's got in front of the mic there. And so she yells free Tibet. And uh, then uh, in a cut scene that was cut, uh, Marge is sitting on the couch like, hmm, free Tibet. I like to gamble. <laughs> and 
then Craig was fired because that joke was bad. Yes. Skinner says there'll be time for that later. The free time bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now Lisa needs to focus on representing her school and state spelling finals. That's right. But so this, I don't know if this is really a blunder, but there's two different impugns. There's uh, impugn, I-M-P, U-N-G, U-G-N rather. And then uh, I'm impugn, which is I-M-P-U-N-E. So she should have really been like, hey, can you use it in the sentence or de- define it? Do you think this is a nerdy uh, Chekhov's gun because she has to spell weather later? And oh, she yeah. She doesn't know which weather to Maybe. spell. Yeah, that could be. It's foreshadowing. So it's not a blunder, Steve. You just solve the case. Boom. And your prize is you can continue watching this episode. All righty. So the kids all chant Lisa's name and she receives her gift for winning a scale model of the planet Mars. But uh, Lisa examines the model and finds that it's actually just a kickball with Mars written on it. Behold, the red planet. And so back at home, Lisa shares her good fortune with her parents. And later, Homer discovers his own good fortune with Ribbit, the rib witch's spokesfrog, who happens to be covered in barbecue sauce. It was so exciting. I actually got applause for being smart. Mars, eh? Hmm. I see no evidence of water. Well, this is very impressive, Lisa. I'm kicking this right onto the mantle. Well, I'm not done yet. Principal Skinner said if I win the state finals, I can go to the Spell Olympics. I'm just happy you're excited about something besides saving the whales. Face it, they're doomed. Hey, hey, the Rib Witch is back. <gasps> the Rib Witch! The commercials have come to pass. Try the new Rib Witch. It's so good you'll croak. You seem like an impartial observer, but I've been fooled by so many people in costumes. Try the sauce. I'm soaked in it. Oh, I could lick you all day long. And yet my children think I'm a failure. Marge is really good in this episode so far. She is, yeah. The hamburger sandwich, her kicking the Mars ball just like onto the mantle. Mm-hmm. It's it's really funny. And then yeah. um, <laughs> the whales. Forget about the whales. They were doomed. Good stuff there. And I do like that uh, her prize was just a kickball that said Mars on it. Yeah. I imagine like Krusty's like, we need a spokesperson. Oh, there's this find the cheapest costume. It's a frog. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Rib, frog, ribbit, and just cover in barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. Would you eat barbecue sauce from a frog costume? Mm, maybe once. Just so I can say that I did. I just like that his, his family thinks that he's a failure, too. I mean, if it's not like a hot summer day, mm-hmm. standing out there in a costume for eight hours, maybe listening work. to a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And then, like, if you're hungry, you just lick yourself. Exactly. I mean, that's what you do anyways, but. Yeah, I'm salty. <laughs> and we're also cat people. That's why we lick ourselves. Right. Wow. I'm Mr. Mistopheles. Steve is a jellico, uh, jellico <laughs> cat. You're a jellico cat. Yeah. What is a jellico cat? I don't know. I I remember watching that god awful thing, like the first 20 minutes of it, the cats movie, of course. And uh, I had never heard the word jellico so many times, and it just lost all meaning. Like I know it didn't have any meaning before, but <laughs> it just like stopped being a word and it just became a sound. Jellico, jellico, jellico. It's just Jimmy jellicles. Jimmy jellicles. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to Simpsons again. All righty. So uh, Homer steps into the burger chain and requests one rib witch. He notices that it's now served without lettuce. <laughs> um, he takes a bite, and in an homage to uh, Requiem for a Dream, the food enters Homer's bloodstream, his pupils dilate, and he shakes with joy, and the uh, ribbit laughs maniacally. Homer eats another, 
then another, then more still, his stomach expanding. A pile of empty ribwitch containers builds on the floor, and then squeaky-voiced teen absentmindedly uh, picks his nose. Homer drools and convulses in near-orgasmic delight. He has eaten the rib of God. And then at the state's sprawling finals, Superintendent Chalmers hosts as Lisa is the first contestant. Ameliorate. Could you use it in a sentence? Nothing can ameliorate the ineptitude of Principal Skinner. I wish he wouldn't use me in every example. A-M-E-L-I-O-R-A-T-E. Ameliorate. Correct. Lisa, you just won the state finals. Thongs, cognates, Latin roots. Lisa clobbers all you fruits. Our little girl's got her own cheering section. Hey, who doesn't? You tell her, Big H. You're the man. Ah, you ain't so hot. Has Homer said, eh, who doesn't a lot? I feel like he has, yeah. That's one of my, like, my go-to phrases I'll say mm-hmm. like, via text a lot of times. You know, I was texting him like, just at, ra- you know, random things. I finally impregnated my wife. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. And can we go back to the the rec room for the, a dream rib, mm-hmm. which has there been a food in ho- I'll say for food because that's what it is. Like that's ever mm-hmm. done that for you, just like eating something like that, um, giving ho- giving yourself that like ecstasy. Like has right food yeah. ever been so good that you're like drooling like Homer does? That's a good question. I think if I haven't had fried chicken in a while mm. and it's just hits right, that'll do it for me. Like that'll make me go wow. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast. I probably talked about like in very early episodes that I was on keto mm-hmm. for the longest time. I'm not anymore. It's been like almost two years now, probably. Uh, I should get back on it just because uh, I lost weight fast and got it all back. Yeah. And I think that was like fried chicken. That's a, I, you, you can make like keto fried chicken, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I missed the most on keto was potato products. So like, oh yeah, tasting like mashed potatoes or French fries again after like three or four three years or ever i was on uh, keto that would that be was huge probably, for me yeah yeah that was That's good. a good one good <laughs> i just you know i mean i could eat i should do the matt damon diet uh, on mars just mm-hmm. eat potatoes and invest in crypto there you go although i will i've eaten just like a baked potato with nothing on it mm-hmm. and it's it's fine yeah but i mean you need the butter you need you need i mean well salt and pepper okay yeah put on things but like just butter and mashed potato- cream and potatoes you know yeah speaking of potatoes tonight for dinner i'm gonna have uh, baked Ugh. potatoes with chili and broccoli and cheese and uh probably sour cream do you really think our listener timothy cares i don't know maybe he's having a mashed potato too enjoy your potato i just think they're neat yeah they are neat that's a simpsons quote so i'm right. bringing it back and i'm ruling it in steve good job marge is telling lisa how impressed she is and uh bart is relieved that uh you know this is the first time a simpsons has a trophy that doesn't have a bowling ball on it but hey good job for the simpsons clans with bowling trophies yeah i'm assuming it's just from homer probably so the rest of the family is kind of lagging although homer's the only what winner if, well we, we know maggie bowled a 300 once that's true and, and mark has taken uh bowling, bowling lessons. lessons yeah we just haven't really seen lisa well lisa and bart weren't they doing the the, the pin pin bowling with the 12 pin bowling what's it called the one with oh, yeah, yeah. boston oh was right the, uh, the yeah. yeah yeah it's uh homer yeah i think so that was an old homer and bart i think yeah yeah march suggests that the family celebrates by like going to a movie and homer loves that idea but he can't make it and then all of a sudden lisa is just sad because you know her dad can't be there because he's got something more important to do 
It's more it's the most important thing in the world, and only a very serious daddy business can uh, tear him uh, from her side. So it turns out that a very serious daddy business is you know going to Krusty Burger and ordering three rib witches, and then instead of a shake, he wants a blended rib witch. Yeah, that's kind of gross. <laughs> then the squeaky teen informs Homer that uh, the rib witch was just for a limited time, and Homer's he's really distraught, Steve. Oh no. Not again! First you took away my Philly fudge steak, and then my bacon balls, then my watch of my chicken. <laughs> you monster! I'd like a large fries, please, and a collector's cup. Dude, if you still want the rib witch, they're testing it in other markets. Check out the tour schedule. Wow, this is amazing! I could follow the rib witch from town to town. That's what we do. We're rib heads. Maybe I should hook up with you guys. After all, how long do any of us have to live? Well, if you like the rib witch, not very. Steve, you <laughs> have the Joy of Cookie Millhouse book, right? Yes. Is there the Philly Fudge? No, nor is the uh, Watch My Chicken or the uh, uh, Bacon Balls. I think we mentioned it on the show before because she only wrote all the, like, the food that everyone knows. Yeah. And we, we said that we would write our own book of seasons 11 and beyond food items. <laughs> right. I do sometimes bring food in for Steve. Oh, that's on this you. episode. Very kind. Um, so I did come up with a Philly fudge ball. Alrighty. All right. So here you go. Okay. Taking a bite. All right. I'll let you eat in that and chew it while you're eating. Then I'll describe what it is. Mm-hmm. So a Philly fudge ball, you get cream cheese mm-hmm. and then you cook up some uh, steak, onion, mushrooms, and peppers. Mm-hmm. And then so when you make sure you soften up that cream cheese. So then when that's done, you take the meat and pepper mixture mm-hmm. and then the Philly cream cheese. Make sure you cool down the meat, by the way. And the right. and then you roll the, the 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 meat mixture into the Philly cream cheese balls. What are about the size of uh, a baseball, right? You say? That yeah, that sounds about right. And then you coat it all in cocoa powder. Uh-huh. And then uh, then you take some uh, egg wash, put that in there, and we'll put the, the cocoa powder ball with the egg wash. And then you dip it in some cocoa and flour mixture, and then you deep fry it. I have to tell you, it's delicious. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the uh, Philly fudge ball. <laughs> It really doesn't sound that horrible. I just came up with it on the spot, Steve. Yeah, very well done. I, I would eat that. And you we just know, did, of course. Yeah, of course. I would eat that again, I meant to say. And then uh, there's dipping, uh, icy dipping that you got. And there's also mm-hmm. fudge, extra fudge dipping and uh, uh, do- uh, car- caramel dipping. And some cheese whiz, too. And cheese whiz. Why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, why not? All right. <laughs> so as that hippie shows Homer a container uh, with Krusty saying that the rib witch will cause early death, we cut back to Springfield Elementary where Skinner is honoring the school's shining star with a double wide locker. Hey, Steve, can we actually make that Philly cheese ball and make Bill Oakley eat it? for the We podcast? should do that. Yeah. Steve, what's our next monumental episode? The 200th episode? Yeah, that would be the next one. <laughs> That's like what? Uh, a year away. A year away, pretty much. About, right? yeah. So we have time to... <laughs> Own the recipe. I mean, like you live right down the street from Bill Oakley, essentially. True. I mean, probably. I think he's the guy who burns all the the wood. Oh, he's that dirtbag. Yeah. (laughs) 
he must be cooking this great food. Yeah. I just keep thinking of this Philly fudge ball. I think it would work. I think it could work. Put the cocoa powder, mix it with the cream cheese, mm-hmm. and then you fold the meat and, and peppers and onions in. Yeah. And then you do want to make an egg wash. Right. And then you want to do like a flour and then maybe like a, a oh, a chocolate graham cracker crust, and then deep fry. Oh, yeah. Get a little crunch in there. I think this. I mean, it could be like it would be a good carnival food. Yeah. I mean, because. If you think about it, like like chicken and waffles is a thing, right? You like when you mix yeah. like meats with sweets. I'm trying to, th- you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, you know other countries do like fruit and meat combos, right? So it's not unheard of. And I think if you had like a kind of a darker, more bitter cocoa, so it wasn't like sickly sweet, right? So when you do work like, well. like the cream cheese, I think does still need to be like you need to put sugar additional to it, like we like a, when you're making like cheesecake, right? Yeah, so there should be sugar in it with the cream cheese, but you still put the meat. Make sure like the meat and veggies is well salted too. Yeah. Because you're going to want that, you're going to want that well salty meat mixture with the very sweet salt and sweet. Yeah, this is going to work. And maybe afterwards, it kind of like put some like of the thicker salt that you would put on pretzels on it. Maybe yeah, like a finishing salt. Yeah, and then have dipping sauce. Cheese whiz isn't a bad idea because like some purists don't think that a Philly cheesesteak is a cheesesteak without right. a cheese whiz. So, but this is still just called the Philly fudge ball. That's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is the most off tangent episode I think we've ever done. <laughs> And I don't know how much will be cut out, too. So it might just flow like, what are we talking about? You've only been talking about The Simpsons this whole time. Yeah. And it's this episode comes in, at, <laughs> comes in at, yeah. 34 minute episode. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, Lisa's getting a double wide locker. The Skinner shows off how Lisa's books will actually fit in the locker when Ralph notices that his locker is gone because they had to make room for Lisa's. Skinner tells him that our, his belongings are in Willie's shack. So the Grand Keeper uh, takes Willie to the shack uh, where he won't need his books anymore. And uh, hey, what the hell? Why don't we go check in with old Kent Brockman? In business news, 3M and M&M have merged to form, get this, Ultradine System. And speaking of news stories, here's another. Springfield spelling phenom Lisa Simpson has qualified for spelling's answer to the Olympics, the Spell Olympics. In a related story, the Spell Olympics is being sued by the Olympics for use of the suffix Olympics. This has got to be the slowest news day ever. Ah, that's better. Paris is no more. The legendary city of lights has been extinguished forever as a massive... Okay, champ. I before E, except after C. Except when pronounced like A, as in neighbor and way. Really? Hmm. And what about in the sentence, Jim Neighbors is way cool? Well, how often is that going to come up? It's on my apron. Yeah, I got work to do. Kent Brockman, we've said it before, is probably our yeah. favorite. You can tell that Kevin Coran wrote for Letterman because the 3M and M&M joke yeah. is, well, not Letterman, it's very Johnny Carson Tonight Show, <laughs> but that payoff is so good. Like 3M and M&M join a company. So- Autodyne Systems. It's so good. I Get love this. that joke so much. <sighs> I mean, they've done this joke before where, well, that's that's a Kent Brockman ongoing joke is there's always the his timber and his his cadence as a mm-hmm. newsman where like a tragedy is like and Paris is no more. And then I just love the fact that like Lisa or Marge just turns the TV off when like <laughs> when Paris is burning. Yeah. I just like the smile on both of their face. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, Very fun stuff. And Lisa uh, and Marge loves uh, Jim Neighbors. He's got the voice of an angel, Steve. It's true. Uh, So some fun trivia or 
some trivia, the Olympics lawsuit thing, there's actually a law made by Congress, which says that the Olympic Committee can sue anyone who uses the Olympic word or even half of the word and makes an arrangement out of the five rings. So if Fruit Loops messed up, the Olympics could sue them for putting their cereal in the wrong order. Hey, and uh, the the Winter Olympics are going on right now as we're recording this podcast. It's true. It's weird how prescient this is. Yeah. You know, it's sad. Hmm. We have more listeners slash viewers in the olympics too it's true this year <laughs> nobody cares about the skeleton well i mean ghosts do it's true yeah anyways um we're gonna go back to the simpsons again <laughs> is that okay <laughs> yeah let's go back so lisa's in a gray tracksuit they're kind of doing an homage to uh rocky movies she's running out of the house and she passes like cletus and brandine and cletus remarks that she's the girl with uh sorts them squiggles into words and then he asks lisa to spell scabies and so lisa does that turns out to be the middle name of brandine's latest child rubella rubella uh scabies buckler and then she's writing alongside uh auto there who's skateboarding and he asks to spell ac dc and she does she says ac dc but uh she's wrong because she forgot about the lightning bolt mm-hmm. and then she passes by a uh, drunk barney relapse r-e-l-a-p-s-e that's what beer has done to me suck it to me suck it to me suck it to me suck it to me I've never felt more accepted. Perhaps one day people who spell correctly will replace athletes at the top of our national pantheon. Boo! <laughs> I was just K-I-D-D-I-N-G. <laughs> come on, Dimples. Spell something else for us. I'm a little tired. Oh, come on. Hey, spell little miss. She thinks she's so big. <sighs> Very well. L-I-T-T-L-E-M-I-S. I ain't got time for this. I got a bar to run. I love a good crowd scene. Or an angry mob. Ah, makes me laugh. I like, the, too, that uh, Mo just gets so frustrated with her. I remember, I feel like you loved the relapse joke, Barney. Yeah. I don't know. Why do I feel like you've quoted that before? Maybe I have. I mean, that Aretha uh, Franklin's very talented, so uh, maybe I'm just maybe it's like the Berenstein Berenstein Bears thing with you. you uh, with yeah, me. I mean, I liked it, but I don't remember it being like all right when yeah. it stuck with me. Maybe it was me. Maybe I secretly liked it a lot and didn't want to admit it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's a good joke. Yeah, suck it to me, suck it to me, no. suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me. <laughs> maybe it was someone else. I don't huh. know. I, I mean, I might have known other people besides you. Maybe highly doubtful, but yeah. It is, it is pretty fun with that with Mo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I got a Barney. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Although you, I got to say, like Lenny's standing right next to him, and Barney's passed out already drunk, so he's got no big rush. I mean, right? Unless Carl's just sitting in the bar all by himself. Who are those uh, voiceless ones? Oh yeah, Sam and Sam and Dave or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> isn't Sam and Dave? <laughs> yeah, that's band. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's finally get to uh, what what act are we in now? Is it, are we in our third act or second? We're in our second. Oh, Jesus. So we're getting to the Olympics, or Spell Olympics. It's the Spell Village, and there's a sign under it that says, A Place for Dorks. Uh, didn't they do like a nerd thing earlier, too? Yeah. And it's a nerds. I forget what it was. Anyways, uh, inside the Spell Olympics, 
uh, we got American journalist, writer, editor, actor, and occasional amateur sportsman, uh, George Plimpton. Ooh. Is he related to Martha Plimpton? No, because it's spelled differently. That's Isn't right. It? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny in the spelling. So why instead of an I? Yeah. Here's our Kevin Bacon moment. Steve and I know a guy that met Martha Plimpton. So there you go. Yeah. That's how connected we are to Martha <laughs> Plimpton. And we, well, I mean, besides that, you know, she was here in Oregon filming Goonies. That's when right. She was a kid. Welcome back to the Martha Plimpton watch here on the 138 Simpsons podcast, where we track Martha Plimpton's, Plimpton's. whereabouts. Yeah, she's probably doing an episode of Doug Loves Movies, maybe. Um, Certainly soon. not an episode of uh, what was that show that was on 15 years ago that I watched with uh, Malcolm in the not Malcolm in the Middle, <laughs> Raising Hope. Raising Hope. There we go. Anyways, uh, yeah, George Plimpton. He welcomes everyone to the uh, 34th Spell Olympiad. I'm George Plimpton, founder of the Paris Review. I also play the evil dean in Boner Academy. You monster! Why did you expel Boogerman? He replaced my tennis racket with a rubber phallus. <laughs> that was awesome. And now, in the ancient spelling bee tradition, we shall release the bees. <laughs> and now... To exterminate the bees, the magnificent Blue Angel. Releasing of the bees. Such yeah. a good joke. And also, moments after the uh, Blue Angels fly, uh, just these, the cloud of dead bees and toxins <sighs> falling to the audience is really funny. So good. I thought this was funny. I was doing a little George Plimpton research, mm-hmm. as one would. Of course. Because he, he appeared on... Again, he was a journalist, but he did appear in movies and, and TV shows a lot of times popping up. Like he was on an episode of Just Shoot Me as George Plimpton. Mm-hmm. And scrolling through his IMDb, I thought it was kind of funny. Also, he has an uncredited role in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, wow. It was his first thing he did. He was an audience member in SNL. But I thought this was funny that there was a TV show. I only lasted eight episodes. I don't know if it was like canceled or... Uh, just a miniseries. It was in 2000 called Wonderland. And George Plimpton played the spelling bee judge. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And this episode, what came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, this is his last uh, credited role in anything. Yeah. He uh, passed uh, seven months after this episode aired. You know, it's weird. I swear I thought George Plimpton was still alive and died, but was still alive a few years ago. Like he died in like 2017 for some reason. Yeah, I can I, see that. I'm thinking of some, I probably think of someone. I probably got George Plimpton confused with someone else. But it's so funny because like I know who George Plimpton is, but I don't know aside from this episode really like anytime i've actually like seen him in anything right but he, it's just weird because he's like in my mind like as, as somebody who's been in a lot of things what if i like kevin Curran was just a huge like love reading george plimpton's works could be I mean. got him in this episode because there's some like old like this is definitely an episode that was written by an old person <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it's why i'm enjoying it so much yeah because um, i i could say oh, spoilers when i originally watched this episode came out when it aired i was mm-hmm. not a fan of it i don't think right so uh we'll get more into that hopefully later if we get there yeah. we might have to wow. pause this and go to sleep and come back tomorrow and finish yeah. this podcast this might be a rare two-parter episode jesus christ <laughs> Back at the uh, Spell Olympics there, Steve. Uh, in the stands, Homer holds up a sign reading ESPN, but it's spelled out English spelling promotes knowledge. Of course, knowledge would be spelled with a K, but uh, that's Homer. You know, he doesn't know how to spell knowledge, so he does it with an N. Anyway, so Lisa spells a uh, 
anticoagulate. And then another girl correctly spells recidivism. And Marge is excited saying it's like living in a dictionary. And then uh, Bart mocks a student attempting to spell aceros. And then uh, we'll meet uh, Lisa's little cute opponent there. He's an aceros. Really? He possesses the properties of a pine needle. Life? <laughs> Look, I didn't bring a Game Boy. This is all I got. A-N-T-H-R-A-X. Anthrax. Oh. He's adorable. I'd sure like to tuck that in at night. Well, we're down to our three finalists. Lisa, Sun Moon, and Alex. We will crown our champion tomorrow. As the unlicensed knockoff of the Olympics anthem plays, the kids stand with pride. Marge is proud of her daughter, and Lisa is glad that her family traveled with her to Calgary. Which is also funny since the spelling bee is not in the U.S. But it also reminds me of uh, yeah the uh, the grammar rodeo, the grammar rodeo, right? Yeah, in Canada, where Nelson and uh, Martin also probably hooked up. That's right. What happens in Calgary stays in Calgary. No, no, because uh, when he saw um, Andy Williams, oh right, yeah, he got really horned up. Martin, yeah. Did. Firma wasn't the only no. Geez, Tara wasn't the only thing that was Firma. All right, so once again, Homer tells Lisa that uh, he can't make it since it's his last day at the Ribwich, which of course is in San Francisco, and you know she's in Calgary. So Lisa's hurt that her father is skipping her moment to be in the sun with a sandwich. Uh, Homer explains that it's more than just a sandwich. It's about brotherhood. It's about freedom. And you know it's been about three days since he's had his last one. So <laughs> he's like, I'm getting the shakes. And the fries, which I thought was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> so Lisa's going to have to win without uh, her dad. Oh. But then she'll be the queen of the world of, of spelling. Yeah. And just then, George Putin comes over and requests a moment of Lisa's time. Lisa, may I see you privately for a moment? This can only be good. Lisa, competitive spelling has fallen on hard times. Today's students would rather watch Ozzy Osbourne. Look at me. I'm a drug addict. Ho, ho, ho. Some of us still enjoy scripted comedy, sir. That's a good girl. But if spelling is to compete, it needs a charismatic champion. Someone like me, back when I was a white-haired little boy. Well, I haven't won yet. Nor shall you. What? The future of our very sport is at stake. And we want the gold medal to go to him. Who? Alex? The boy that everybody loves? Yes, he's crowd-pleasing and he's cute. Women in the audience toss their thick glasses at him. I'm not throwing a spelling bee. I'll die before I misspell. Be reasonable, Lisa. If you take a dive, we'll guarantee you a scholarship to the Seven Sisters College of your choice. Oh, free college? And a hot plate. Oh, there it is. There it is. And a hot plate. So I think we mentioned it last week before we, when we spun the wheel on that joke. Yeah. I gotta say that (laughs) George Plimpton is so delightful in this episode. Really is. We talked last week about, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, about how non-celebrities on The Simpsons can sometimes be dry or phone it in. But, and I I mean, he is a celebrity and an actor, but he's just so good in this. It's it's a lot of fun. And then him doing the uh, Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) It's also the time when like, uh, what was the Osbournes was like the the show people watched. Right. Yeah. I never watched one episode, by the way. I don't know that I did either. This is so good. Yeah. George Plimpton. Love it. He's a delight. Um, also, he was has an, a delight. Steve was a delight. Sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, he has a uh, framed number zero jersey in his office uh, for the Detroit Lions, which he uh, wrote about in his book, Paper Lion. So there you go. Yeah. And Paper well, Tiger is a good song by Beck. Steve, can we go to our third act finally? Please. It begins as every single third act of The Simpsons does with uh, Lisa tossing uh, and turning into her hotel room. <laughs> Sorry, just, I just had a thought of like every Simpsons episode ever in third act is Lisa's in a yeah. hotel room. <laughs> I don't know how she gets there, but that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Hey, Mickey, come in for a second. Oh, I got a new spinoff called Lisa in the hotel room. Seems hmm. problematic. <laughs> Probably. Uh, can you go away now? Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. So Lisa's uh, mutters to herself, throw the bee and go to college. And then she's dreams of like that idyllic Greek island. Kind of like it looks like like Thermoskia, Wonder Woman Paradise. Yeah, island, that's right? that's kind of what I was thinking too. So she's walking up the stairs surrounded by columns and then seven women stand before Lisa, each representing the uh, seven sister colleges. We are the seven sisters and you can attend any one of us like Barnard. Columbia's girl next door. Come to Radcliffe and meet Harvard men. Or come to Wellesley and marry them. No, party with me. Or nonconform with me. <sighs> Play lacrosse with me. Or explore with me. Mm. No, I don't want to pay for college by throwing a spelling bee. Get in, Lisa. Get a free ride. And a hot plate. Free ride. Free ride. Free ride. And a hot plate. What is it, sweetie? Mom, I'm having a crisis of conscience. Can you and Dad afford to send me to college? Oh, sure. I mean, not on your father's salary, but I could give piano lessons. But you don't play the piano. I just got to stay one lesson ahead of the kid. So that joke at the very end with Marge has to stay one joke ahead of the kid, the piano lessons. I swear Mm -hmm. I use that joke a lot of times when I just, you know, when... I'll talk to friends about like money issues mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll bring that up. Like, well, just, just teach people piano lessons. You just have to be one step ahead of the kids. I didn't it's realize so it was from this episode. It's so good. Marge is killing it in this episode. She's yeah, such a bit sure. player, but like hits everything. Yeah, every line out of her mouth has been pure gold. And then of course the ongoing and a hot plate. So good. Yeah. I realize <laughs> her, now that that's why it's been in her head because they repeat it so many times that it just gets in there like a worm, uh, an earworm. I love the idea of like, so Lisa has her dream about the seven sisters in the college. Mm-hmm. But I also love the idea that like an eight year old girl, like you can just <laughs> tell her she can go to any of these colleges. Like you could be a smart kid, but then grow up to be a big dumbass. That's <laughs> like, true. It's very true. How do they know that Lisa will continue to be smart? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's just it's of course it's a cartoon it's silly but her knowledge too of all of the stereotypes of each of the colleges <laughs> yeah. is funny to me like she knows that if she goes to Vassar she'll have armpit hair and if she goes to Smith or Bryn Mare she'll experiment with leather ladies Steve which of the seven sisters college would you attend oh that's that's tough like I like Mount Holyoke because I like to drink <laughs> it's a party school but uh, I also want to exper- experiment with women so <laughs> maybe Bryn Mare I'd probably be a I'd probably go to Wellesley yeah Going to marry some college, some Harvard boys. Yeah. I go to Radcliffe for maybe uh, hoping that uh, Harry Potter shows up. Exactly. Yeah. Dumb joke. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. You're right. Weird, Ma- Ma- Weird, Al, Weird Al himself. Daniel yeah. Radcliffe. You know, I would have cast someone else. I would have gone way different. Mm-hmm. I would have cast like to play Weird Al in the Weird Al story. They should have gone. It should have been like uh, Lil Nas X or something. I like that. <laughs> you well, know, maybe Kid Cudi. <laughs> I think it was like Kid Rock. <laughs> God. 
Kid Rock, Dean Kane, Kevin mm-hmm. Sorbo, <laughs> Scott Bayo. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan. There you go. Um, Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. There you go. He's got this great like chicken bit right now. It's so good. funny. Just watch it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so Lisa then figures she could skip college and marry Millhouse. She and then she and him then appear in a thought bubble on their wedding day. Millhouse gleefully says that he knows it's a fantasy, but he'll take it. But then Lisa changes her mind, and imaginary Millhouse cries out that he'll never be this happy again. That's fun a little bit. Mm-hmm. Poor Millhouse. But also you're thinking like this is how Lisa would imagine how yeah. Millhouse would act. <laughs> it's kind of narcissistic. Like she's so great yeah. that in her mind he's just depressed because he just, she'll never he'll never be as happy as marrying her. That's true. Anyway, so let's go to San Francisco, Steve. Alrighty. And the way it looks at it, it looks like that uh, there's the Krusty Burgers on the other side. I think they're more yeah, like where, the, true. where the National Park is at there. Right. There's just uh, once you're hiking. And what's that in the forest there called? Endor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Endor. That's where they filmed the Return of the Jedi and uh, Planet of the Apes, right? Yeah. The, the, the new Planet of the Apes. Yeah, the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a future that's more promising than the one that we are currently living <laughs> Kind of true, yeah. <laughs> They're all at this crusty burger, and um, Homer's about to eat one of the riblich rib riblitches there, but uh, a riphead turns and asks him if uh, you kind of like in a hippie speak that if he can if he could please have some of your his food. But Homer says, uh, "Don't borgnine my sandwich," and then Homer quickly scarfs down that uh, that rib sandwich. So yeah, uh, don't borgnine my sandwich. Obviously referencing uh, Ernest Borgnine, but the more Star of the phrase, Simpsons. That's right. The uh, that fun episode that we talked about a lot last week. You can say it, Steve. <laughs> if I could remember the title, I would. Pronounce Boys of... Boys in the Hood. But the more common phrase is to bogart something, particularly a marijuana cigarette. And the term derived from Humphrey Bogart, because often when he was filmed with a cigarette, it would just hang on his mouth and he'd never actually take a drag from it um, or actually smoke from it. So weed or joints or blunts are often said, don't bogart that blunt, man. Pass it over here. And uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, if he didn't smoke cigarettes, he'd be alive today, Steve. That's right. That's a good lesson for you kids. Don't yeah. smoke cigarettes. Oh, don't say that. Oh, oh shit. Mickey, do you have a deal with Marlboro? Marlboro. Oh, and camel. Oh. Wow. That's actually what what's other Goofy is. He's, he's a camel. Uh, gosh, I have lymphoma. <laughs> All right, well, uh, so suddenly a uh, car horn plays a musical tune, and we get a black limousine pulling up there, and it's uh, Krusty, the man who owns the Krusty Burger, pops out of a little moonroof with an important announcement. Hey, hey! Hey, it's the guy from the drive-thru. Yeah, like three rib witches, a Diet Coke. Will you get out of my... Look, uh, about the rib witch. There aren't going to be any more. The animal we made him from is now extinct. The pig? The cow? You're way off. Think smaller. Think more legs. People, we went through something magical together. And it's not important who got rich off of whom or who was exposed to tainted what. And because you believed in my dream, I want you to fight over the last ribwich ever made. Here. Welcome to the real world, hippie. Wow, what a long, strange product rollout it's been. Goodbye. You know, when Krusty's describing the animal, mm-hmm. 
in fact, if he's probably you were thinking of more like an insect, maybe. Yeah. That he's probably doing more good for the environment, but it's true. And giving and, and the protein for those insects that they wiped out probably beneficial and like, yeah, save money, but also better for the environment. Yeah. As, like a centipede or a millipede. Yeah. As we're learning now that insects are a great protein source and yeah, won't fuck up the environment like big cattle does. That's true. It's probably going to be our future very soon. Now, will I eat a bug? Heck no. I'm a white American. <laughs> Have you ever eaten any sort of uh, bug food? I don't know. I don't think so. I know they I, in stores now they are selling like bug chips and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I've I've had uh, grasshopper chips. I mean, I might have had like a chocolate covered grasshopper like back when I was like in middle school. Mm-hmm. I think didn't you give me one or something like that? Or maybe maybe we, yeah. Something I don't know. No, you They're gave me a crunchy. corn dog. Oh yeah, a corn dog. <laughs> you give me corn dogs, <laughs> and they scream when I bite into them. No, you just. Think of it as like a lollipop that you just suck. All right. Uh, so you, you you eat bug. Yeah. I ate a grasshopper. It was very crunchy, but it had a weird aftertaste that would take a little getting used to. I'm sure it'll be in everything and it is in everything. And the FDA allows a certain percent of bugs to eat. Right. It's probably not a big deal because there's no like, it's not going to taste like raw chicken in your mouth, you know? No. And like uh, red dye is made from beetle anal right. glands. So it's all, it's all gross. Uh, so right. it's made from the anal glands. <laughs> It's like Ringo. Why do you think oh, I'm dead and so is George? <laughs> they used all our anal glands. They ground up me bum. Is that you, George? That's right. They all sound alike to me, except for <laughs> Ringo. Ringo's just a bit deeper and a bit dumber. <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. There you go. <laughs> let's get. Let's finish this episode. All righty. Uh, so Krusty's limo speeds off, but is then stopped by a red light. And then once he's gone, the hippies <laughs> see that Homer has the last ribwitch. It's kind of funny because like there's no other cars around. I know the red light, <laughs> and, and there's like no like... businesses because it's just like in the middle of nowhere. Right, and they didn't even like try and chase them or anything. It's just <laughs> yeah. just ran into a red light. And he's like, ah oh, man. But the the hippies begin to bargain with Homer. One offers him four days and three nights at any comfort inn anywhere in the lower forty eight states with blackout dates from December nineteenth to uh, January fifth. So Steve, in this episode aired, you probably could have offered me the same deal, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, those blackout dates. So man, they're rough. Like a um, another fan offered something more, which causes Homer to rethink his priorities. I give you the Lisa to my car. <gasps> Lisa. Is this what I've come to? Fighting over a stupid sandwich on my daughter's big day. Mister, I'll take that car. Hey, that's a nice. <laughs> I have the buyer's remorse. <laughs> Lisa, my Lisa, the car. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right, so Homer drives off in that Italian guy's car. I don't know, it's probably a Ferrari, right? Yeah, I, the, the internet said it was a Corvette, but I thought oh. it was a Ferrari, so I don't know. Sure. He's going from San Francisco to Calgary. See, <laughs> while, while I describe this scene, uh, find yeah, out how I many am, miles um, that is. Yeah. Okay, so he's going from San Francisco to Calgary. Then we go back to the Spell Olympics there, and uh, the Flanders are there, and Rod is holding up a sign reading for Lisa, while Bart's holding another sign that he's missing school. So the three finalists are on stage as Lisa worries about uh, what she's going to do. All right, your word is weather. Which one? Can you use it in a sentence? Certainly. I don't know whether the weather will improve. Uh, oh, w, uh, um, E? Alex, your word is rigged, as in this contest is rigged. R-I-G-G-E-D. Rigged. Bravo, my pet. 
You shall be champion. Assuming Lisa misspells this next word. The word is intransigence. Could I please hear it in a sentence? Certainly. The little girl's intransigence cost her the college of her choice. Intransigence. I. Daddy made it for your dance recital, honey. Dad, you do care. Damn right. You're number one on my menu. From San Francisco to Calgary, it's 1,298 miles, and it would take roughly 22 hours and 32 minutes uh, by car, or 17 days and four hours by foot. So Homer, I could see, would drive like a day straight getting mm-hmm. to... So the the, the Calgary, it, it was probably, yeah, this was like a, a, a Thursday, and then he drove, got there on Friday evening mm-hmm. when the... Yeah, it checks it, out. All out. Checks. Yeah. Man, George Plimpton again... Like, <laughs> Also, I love the kid who they want to win, like just that typical, like, yeah, cutesy little boy, like with the lisp and everything. Earlier on, he spells anthrax in a very adorable way. He says anthrax. Right. <laughs> uh, but Lisa knows that with uh, her daddy by her side, she can't fail. She then announces that uh, she was asked to take a dive, but she won't do it. She then uh, boldly spells intransigence, but she ends up with an A-N-C-E rather than the proper E-N-C-E. And so Plimpton calls her a fool and Lisa realizes her error. She tried her best and failed. Lisa loses everything, and George Plimpton is headed back to do whatever it is he does. <laughs> I just love that line del- delivery. He says, "Like, yeah, back to do whatever I do." do. That's good. Uh, so they're heading back home, and Marge offers Lisa some comfort there by saying uh, she may have spelled the word wrong, but she did the right thing. And then Homer points out that Lisa's the number one speller in the car, and then he points to other cars and goes, "In that car, or in that car." But then. The car with Alex, the little boy, is driving by holding this trophy. And it's like, yeah, maybe not that car. So Lisa feels like uh, she blew her one chance for everyone to like her. But then they pull into the old homestead at 742 Evergreen Terrace there. That's the Simpsons house. And she finds a crowd of people there. There's the students and faculty and, you know, other people, other Springfield people, residents, as they would be called. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a banner up that says too good to be number one with the number two and to number one okay skinner tells everyone to give the crowd two cheers <laughs> and then uh, after they do that uh tells them to, to take a deep breath followed by quiet that's right uh so lisa is surprised that they're all still proud of her but mary, mary quimby explains that she's the biggest winner the town has ever had before her it was a woman who dated charles croden <laughs> who do you think uh dated charles croden real quick um cookie kwan i could see that yeah i was gonna also think of um Luann uh, Van Halgen yeah. when they're maybe split up with. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I could see them on a date. But I also feel like Patty or Selma would have a crush on Charles Grodin. Mm-hmm. Krabappel, maybe? Maybe Krabappel. Well, we'll never know because, uh, again, this is a podcast where we're talking about dead people and Charles Grodin uh, died a few years ago. That's true. Rest Big red peace. dog ate him. <laughs> I mean, no, that's Clifford. <laughs> Beethoven ate him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get my dogs and names confused and charles broden yeah marmaduke marmaduke that was a movie i think <laughs> it was yeah was it with like owen wilson maybe that sounds like it that tracks or more yeah. of a luke wilson joined <laughs> the other uh, wilson that was only in uh, bottle rocket right uh, so lisa thanks the city for making her feel wonderful and then they show her one more surprise the bust of her head on the side of uh, mount springfield the camera pounds out to show the mount rushmore like sculpture and finally that's our episode <laughs> 
And it was in uh, the tapped out game, right? You can get that. Absolutely. I knew I had that one. All right. Does it ever make an appearance in the Simpsons again? I do not believe so. Didn't she have like another like head thing made out? of? I like, remember the. Uh, yeah. When she teamed up with uh, Skinner to uh, do the the fish, the fish caching with the uh, six pack rings. I remember a log with you Lisa's Skinner, face. You meant uh, Burns. Yeah, Burns. sorry. Yeah, Thank like you. Skinner and Lisa teaming up. I don't remember this. Yeah, no. Burns and Lisa. Right. Uh, they had the environmental. She thought it was a good right. company, but yeah. But then at the end, the log went through and they did that whole thing with this land is your land. Okay. Yeah. Lisa's got a lot of head. That's right. You'd think she'd be more popular. <laughs> All right, Steve. On that note. We hit record and start the episode. All right. That was just our uh, warm up. Warm up. Red leather, yellow leather. Let's take a break. I think we need it. We deserved it. I, I, we've earned it. Yeah. We'll be right back. All right, Steve, welcome back. Hope you've calmed down. We finally just talk about The Simpsons and not all the things you were just bringing up in this last episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. You really get off the uh, the tangent here on this podcast. <laughs> Something you need to work on. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Well, thank you for your apology. But um, let's get on with it. Let's do our usual. We'll talk about our favorite visual gags, favorite jokes, maybe something from this episode that would be fun to put on a T-shirt, maybe yeah. a tattoo, an action figure, or maybe a hot plate. And a hot plate. And then we'll uh, talk about maybe our favorite jokesters with our MVJs. And of course, we'll just give our full summation of what we really thought about the episode and rate it. And then we'll find out what we're watching next week. Of course. But uh, before we do that, Steve, let's uh, talk about uh, merchandise, the thing that we want to buy from this episode. Steve, I think, well, I know what I want. I'm not sure it's going to be unanimous, but there's quite a few things maybe to get from this episode. There's a lot of the rib heads wear a number of ribwit shirts that just have the rib on it, which could be fun. There's a lot of good things, but I think I'm going to go with the uh, the very cool apron that says Jim Neighbors is way cool. That was definitely one that I was thinking of. Probably second second what i would get mm -hmm. but the first is very obvious to me oh wait i we think I know about, what it is we talk about t-shirts all the time and i would literally get a t-shirt that someone's wearing and that someone yep. is martin yep. wearing yep, a yep. shirt with nelson and martin in their little yep. space suit that's space camp that's a t-shirt that needs to be that's, made you, you're totally right that's the one to go for and that one i, I wish that existed yeah that's <laughs> i would i would buy that and wear that mm-hmm is there, if there's any listener out there that can just draw that photo for us, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. We'll make all the profit off the shirts. You won't see a dime one, from it. Yeah, yeah, no one red cent will you see. Yeah, we, I mean, we won't even see a dime from, no. from it, but but a big corporation will. That's right. I'll uh, go but, to the Gildan Corporation. Yeah. Hey, they took over American Apparel. Who else can they take? That's right. It's like great Gildan. You you take you take a company that while yes their practices were crappy, but their product was great, and now you're mm -hmm. going to turn it into your crappy product that no one likes to wear. The most uncomfortable T-shirt ever. <laughs> it's like hey. I have an idea. I'm my name's John Gildon. I think t-shirts should be made out of sandpaper. Here you That's go. Right. The most itchy tag you've ever experienced. Oh, it's the summertime. Let's make sure your t-shirt is thick as wool. <laughs> yeah. Everything's puffy. Anyway, 
what are your favorite jokes or quotes oh man <laughs> i like the imp joke good um skinner was a solid hitter calling out jimbo's father as being a raging alcoholic he's got <laughs> yeah his everything skinner was in was great um like he, him and willie with the uh there'll be a lot of cuts budget wise wanking joke of course yeah but man marge is so good in this too mm-hmm the kicking the kickball onto the mantel place, the the whales dying out, hamburger sandwich. Another joke that uh, we didn't talk about is when Bart's they're watching TV and Bart says, oh, you're going back to school soon. This year, you'll learn about local history. And I know that's not a joke specifically for me, but I feel like every year in the Pacific Northwest, we only learned about Lewis and Clark. Right. Like elementary school, high school, middle school. Yeah. There's always a Lewis and Clark subject. Like we know more about it. So we meet someone that's from like uh, Kentucky. Like who? Right. Right. And. <laughs> It's just, I don't know why that's the only thing we ever learned about, but... It's our claim to fame, you know? That's true, yeah. Our history is U.S. history, right? As in, like, what our state contributed to yeah. the history of this country. Right, yeah. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I gotta say, I agree with, like, for MVJ, I think for, like, main character-wise, uh, Marge definitely is my favorite, mm-hmm. followed by Kent Brockman, of course, his oh, yeah. newscast, and and again, that's like true. you said, Skinner. You know, Bart's, Bart's got a couple good one-liners, and... uh Maggie, you know, she didn't really perform yeah, that well. She kind of slept on this episode. Yeah. And Homer had some good stuff, too. Besides Marge being the MVJ, I, I, I got to say that George Plimpton mm-hmm. is probably on the top five guest stars of all time for me. I m- Maybe. Yeah. I, I, maybe I, in, in our run of like 11 and beyond. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that, like, yeah, such a good performance. Like, you don't need to know who he is. No. And I think when we were kids when this came out, I, mean, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't well learned then. Learned, Pepe. It's pronounced learned. His delivery, his line readings, and all the jokes, like doing self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. Loved it. it. It's it was so good. I he he's probably my MVJ as well. Like co. <clears throat> yeah, with- I. Uh- margin him yeah really make this episode so it's it's hard to yeah pinpoint like my favorite quote or line in this episode and having the catchphrase of anna hot plate Mm -hmm. you know and and marge with the piano lessons Uh, yeah marge i mean this episode is packed like this this is like a marge best of lines episode mm -hmm. love it yeah uh, so what are your uh, final thoughts there, Jerry so, Springer? And I said it before in the podcast, too, like when this episode aired, I wasn't as excited because I just felt it was, you know, it's that time, too, where like, oh, let's just come up with any old random thing and random jokes and not being a fan. I think of it. I, But then again, there's some good stuff. Like season 14 is, is that time, too, I think, when you're kind of like growing up and growing out of phase of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our minds are a little more cynical and yeah. not as fun as this episode was i felt the b plot though with homer and the riblich wasn't as strong yeah as the spelling bee stuff because you think about it like well there's three type of stories to tell right it's man versus man man versus self man versus nature right right and this episode clearly was supposed to be man versus self with lisa and the spelling bee and her morality of this is like do i cheat to better myself mm-hmm. i feel like them shoehorning in the whole homer is missing out that wasn't to me like her problem with this episode was that she needs her dad there 
Yeah. So that part, I think, is not is kind of a weak story mm-hmm. element. And maybe they're thinking of like adding that in as a difference because of like when Lisa goes to Washington. Yeah. It's like, well, the Simpsons already did it with that episode. But then again, all of Lisa episodes are her and morals. That's true. And doing what's right. So I, what I'm just saying is that the uh, Homer storyline kind of squeezing that in. I don't think that worked that well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But the spelling bee and all that, it could have been one full A story and they could have got rid of the, the rib witch bit, which even then, I, I even now, I think it's kind of dated too. Yeah, it, it felt a little tired. So that's my negative of this episode. But there is a lot of fun and funny. The jokes that I've thought about over these years were from this episode. So it did something right. Mm hmm. This episode, I'll definitely go back and and watch watch again. This mm-hmm. is an episode that's fun, and um, I think you should too. But if I were to give it a rating, mm-hmm. let's say um, George Plimpton was born in 1927, so out of 1,927, I'll give this episode a 1643. Alrighty, that's a pretty good score, I think. Sure. Yeah, this episode, when it first came out, I don't think it really spoke to me. And you talked about like the old man jokiness of the episode in general. And as I grow into that old man phase of my life, I really appreciated this episode a lot. I think when we watched it when we were kids, actually being like 21, the hot plate line was probably the only thing that really stuck out in my mind. That and maybe the weather joke. There is so many damn jokes in this episode that hit so well. There's so much funny in this episode. And you are right that the overall plot, even the spelling bee plot, is pretty weak. I, I like the, the spelling bee joke, the spelling bee plot more than the rib witch, but they're both kind of like not super life-threatening or interesting plots. But the episode is just a lot of fun for me. George Plimpton is just a great performer. And uh, just all the jokes just hit on the right cylinders for me. And, you know, it's the first appearance of Bruborella, which is a weird uh, milestone. Uh, so I'm going to say that uh, this episode is good and I recommend it. And I think it might be one of the funniest, maybe not the best, but one of the funniest episodes that we've watched on this podcast so far for me. Uh, definitely in the top five funniest. Wow. Yeah, for me, I'm going to give it a I give it high praise, um, even if the plot is a little lacking. So the Mick rib in which the rib which was inspired is comes in at 480 calories. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to give this, we'll say 375 C-A-L-O-R-I-E-S. Sex cauldron. I thought they put <laughs> that place down. Perfect. Yeah, you like this episode more than I do. That's all right. Good. I'm glad we're on different levels. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. Every time I tried to watch it, I would... I would just have to pause it because it was just so funny and I didn't want to like ruin it for myself. But no, this, I, it's it's fun. Yes. Yeah. The first like eight minutes, too, are just solid joke after joke. The so. auditorium, Skinner. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's, this is definitely I, th- I think you're right. Like if you're down in the dumps or just want to giggle at stupid shit, mm-hmm. this is an episode you're right to watch. Yeah, it's just goofy and silly. And I don't know what purists may think about this episode in regards to like more substantial episodes, but it's just a fun time. So that's what I liked about it. Well, you know what else is a fun time, Steve? What's that? Well, it's the same thing we've been doing. It's talking about The Simpsons. So I think we should continue watching The Simpsons and having more fun times. All righty. Well, to do that, we're going to need that wheel of random. Let's give it a spin to see which season we're in. All right, Steve, don't forget that. I will not look. 
You will not look, but we are going to be going to season 27. Season 27. All right, let's give it a spin to see which episode we're watching. It's going to be episode 11, which is titled Teenage Mutant Milk Caused Hurdles. Teenage Mutant Milk Caused Hurdles. That's right. Season 27, episode 11. Steve, what do you think Teenage Mutant Milk Caused Hurdles is about? Okay, so I will admit that I don't have any idea what this episode is, but I'm going to assume that they're putting hormones in the city's milk, which causes Bart and Lisa to uh, jump jumpstart their puberty. So... <laughs> Bart gets to, uh, gets hair everywhere and becomes really angry and horny while Lisa um, <laughs> grows boobs and menstruates. And, <laughs> yeah. and the B plot is uh, Homer uh, goes to an ice cream factory. No, you didn't look this up, right? I, I swear I did not. Okay. Yeah, because you pretty much are on, you're, you're right. <laughs> really? Besides the, uh, the B plot with Homer, that's, that's wrong. Okay. But from based on the Simpsons wiki here, it says uh, a new teacher named Carol Barrera, guest voice of Sofia Vergara, arrives oh. at Springfield Elementary and uh, Smitten Bart attempts to win her over. But meanwhile, Homer decides to buy a new brand of milk, which causes early puberty, both for Bart and huh. Lisa. So you're right about the, wow. the milk. Yeah. But it looks like it's it's acne, not uh, oh. boobs. For Lisa. That makes more sense. Yeah. So obviously you don't remember this episode because you know. Yeah, because it came out, what, in 2016, January 10th. Wow. It was written by uh, Joel H. Cohen, ah, directed yes. by Timothy Bailey. Very nice. Uh, Steve, I don't remember this episode at all, so. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see. I think that, uh, for me at least, this previous episode has set the bar high, so they've got a lot of work to do to make me happy. I think I remember the news about Sofia Vergara was going to be the voice of Bart's new teacher, and I think there was like, and I was like, oh, is this the new voice of his teacher forever? But like, Oh, right. People, no. Just one episode. Yeah, just a one-off. Yeah. Sophia Figaro's got better things to do than to voice the Simpsons, right? Right. She got uh, uh, a bone Al Bundy on TV. (laughs) Gee, Peg. That's my (laughs) Al Bundy impersonation. Pretty good. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) All right. You know what else is pretty good? What's that? Uh, Contacting us. And you can do that by going to social media like uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And if you're so kind, go to your favorite pod catching app and leave us five stars or the equivalent and write a review. But it doesn't need to be a real review. You can just uh, tell us a word that you cannot spell. Mine is convenience. All right. Also, if you want, go ahead and uh, go to the description of this podcast and you can leave us a voicemail. There's a link right there you click on. And if you're listening on your smartphone, It'll go right to it. So yeah, leave us a voicemail. It's easier than typing. That's right. And as as always, thank you for listening. All right. For this week, I've been annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And I've been annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And remember, I am P. I don't mind the taste. And a hot plate.